Well, good morning. Happy Easter to every one of you here. It is fantastic to see you all here. Uh, I apologize for those who are uh, standing room only. I apologize if you had a hard time parking. We have a uh, huge crowd here this morning uh, celebrating what is, I think, the greatest day of the year, Easter Sunday. It is a fantastic day. So I wonder if this happened to you. Have you ever been in a situation where you've, you've bumped into someone, maybe it was in a store, it could have even been here in the foyer this morning, and you, you looked and you thought, I know I know that person, but I cannot think how. And there's that awkward moment where they start talking to you, or maybe they wave and you're thinking, how do I know this person? Is it my son's teacher? Is it uh, the coach? Is it, oh, it's my wife's brother. That's who it is. <laughs> but this happens to me a lot. I see people, I can't remember how I know them, but I think the only thing worse than that is when you bump into someone who you think is someone else. And you start talking to them, and then you realize you aren't the person I was thinking of. That's, that, unfortunately, happens to me a lot. Um, it actually happens to my wife a lot. And I will tell you why. So uh, I don't know if all of you know this. Casey, my wife, is wonderful. But um, she is a twin, okay? So here's a picture of Casey and her twin sister, Andy, okay? So um, I, I know that you're not going to pay attention because you're going to be trying to figure out which one is Casey. So she's the one with the dark hair. Um, <laughs> So, so they both live here in Washington, Casey and her sister Andy. So all the time, me and Casey will be out together and she'll get a text from Andy and there'll be this kind of blurry picture of someone sat in a restaurant or walking around a store and she's like, who's this? And Casey will say, oh, that's our friend so-and-so. She's like, okay, because they just said hello to me. They thought I was you. This happens a lot. Um, our favorite time was when we got this kind of sideward picture of uh, this guy eating his lunch and uh, the text was, who's this? And we texted back, oh, that's our friend. And uh, we're like, why? She said, because I was sat here by myself in Michael's uh, eating lunch and he walked up to me with his food, kicked me in the leg, and said, what are you doing here? And then walked off. <laughs> yeah. So I'm like, awesome. I'm texting him right now. So I text my friends, because I know it's happening right now. I text my friend. I was like, hey, how's it going? He's like, good. I was like, what are you up to? He's like, I'm having lunch. Oh, where at? Michael's. Really? Hey, did you ever know that my wife has a twin sister? And he texts back. He's like, no, I didn't know that. I was like, yeah. And then I was like, if I, I'm here with my wife now, and there's like the dot, 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 dot. <laughs> I was like, guess who's in the restaurant with you? <laughs> so we get a text back from Andy later, and she's like, he came up to me, he was so embarrassed, he apologized for kicking me, and this strange, weird guy. But, uh, but funnily enough, so this is Andy, Casey's twin, I have an Andy, okay? You may not know this, but I too have an Andy. So my friend Andy King is the director of the Dream Center in Peoria. Andy is British, and uh, every now and again, we'll be out and about, and uh, someone will mistake us. People will come up to me and say, hey, Andy, and I'm like, no, it's Dave. <laughs> you know, and uh, it's, it must be a British thing. I don't think I look anything like him. Okay, I've got a beard. He hasn't, but I haven't always had a beard. But uh, we do talk the same, so I'm sure that plays a part in it. But Andy King, my good friend, he called me a couple of weeks ago. He's like, dude, he goes, I've got to tell you a story. He's like, I'm in Sam's, and I'm walking along, and this guy who works there sees me across the way, and he waves, and he goes, Dave Jane! <laughs> Andy hasn't said a word yet. Just, just looking at him, he's like, Dave Jane! So, as opposed to saying, no, I'm Andy King, he thinks, I won't embarrass the guy. He's like, hey! <laughs> Carries on walking. Well, this guy's not stopping. He, he comes out from behind the counter, Dave! <laughs> High five! And Andy's like, yeah. And I'm like, dude, at that point, you should have fessed up and said you weren't me. He's like, I know, I know, because it just got worse. <laughs> 
he started asking me about the church. He said, how's Connect going? I'm hearing great things about it. And Andy said, by this point, I was committed. So I'm like, it's going great. It's just, it's going really good. Things are good. He's like, awesome. So he's like, he turns around to walk away and he thinks, oh, good. He goes, oh, no, no, wait, wait. Come here, come here. I've got to get a picture to show my wife. And then he's like, oh. So they get this picture, a selfie. He's, he's telling me this whole story. He's, Awful. He's just so embarrassed. He calls me the next day. He's like, you're never going to guess who called me. That guy. He said he got home. He showed his wife. His wife's like, that's not Dave Jane. That's Andy King. <laughs> so it, it happens, okay? My wife's a twin. She gets muddled up. I'm, a tw- well, I'm not a twin, but apparently I am in the eyes of Andy King. So um, we've been talking here at Connect over the last few weeks uh, about this, this idea of what Jesus had to have looked like through the eyes of others. Uh, we've talked about how uh, very often the way we see Jesus uh, is very often based on how we grew up. Maybe we grew up going to church. Maybe we didn't grow up going to church. Maybe we had a traditional church upbringing, maybe more charismatic church upbringing. But whatever it is, it kind of forms our view of Jesus. We've been looking at some different people in the life of Jesus to see what we can learn about him as we look at Jesus through the eyes of others. And what we're going to discover this morning is we're actually going to look at Jesus through the eyes of a few different people who were involved in Jesus' life in those days that we remember here at Easter, Good Friday through Easter Sunday. And we're going to discover this morning that there were some people who actually recognized Jesus for who he really was. Some surprising people who actually recognized Jesus for who he really was. We're also going to discover this morning that there were some people who really should have recognized Jesus and didn't. So the first people we're going to look at, the first person we're going to look at happens to be a Roman centurion. Now at this time, in uh, the time that Jesus was alive and, and in Jerusalem, okay, the Romans, as you know, if you've watched movies like Gladiator, okay, you know that they were kind of in charge of a lot of the world back then, and Jerusalem was one of those areas, so the Romans, they were in charge. And when it came to Jesus' crucifixion, It was the Romans who really uh, were in charge of the crucifixion itself. They were the ones, it was the centurions who would be in charge of taking the prisoners to the crosses. It was the centurions who were the ones in charge of hanging uh, the prisoners on the cross. In fact, if you remember having heard the story before, we can read about the story of Jesus' death uh, and resurrection in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. These were four guys who tell us the story of the life and death of Jesus. And you may well remember that that some of them described what it was like for Jesus at the very end, how these centurions, these these prison guards, they they beat Jesus. They mocked him. They put him in this robe and this crown of thorns. They threw dice while he was on the cross to to gamble for who was going to get his only possessions, the clothes he'd been wearing before he was crucified. These Roman centurions, they had no idea who Jesus really was. They were what we call Gentiles. That would be non-Jewish people. They were Romans. They were centurions. They weren't familiar with the the religion and the customs of Israel. So as far as they were concerned, this was just another prisoner about to be crucified. But we're going to discover this morning that something happened that day. A couple of days ago, we had a service, a Good Friday service, and, and we remembered that Jesus died on that cross. And something happened in those last moments of Jesus' life. And this Roman centurion got to witness this. And this morning, we're going to start out by looking at Jesus through the eyes of this Roman centurion. 
Because listen to how Mark, now Mark is one of those four individuals who tells us the story of the life of Jesus. Listen to how Mark describes that moment. He says, when the Roman officer who stood facing him saw how he had died, he exclaimed, this man truly was the son of God. The Roman centurion said, this man truly was the son of God. Through the eyes of this this Roman officer, suddenly he sees Jesus. He recognizes Jesus for who he really was, and that was the Son of God. So what on earth happened? What on earth happened in those last moments of Jesus' life that would cause this Roman centurion, someone who had no idea who Jesus was, to suddenly look at this man on the cross and recognize who he was? Something happened. Now, some of you who know me know that I'm more of a soccer guy than a football guy. Um, I'm a big fan of soccer. My boys play soccer, and it's just such a great game. I I watched a game just the other week. It was edge of your seat, exciting. It was end-to-end action. I mean, 90 minutes of good quality soccer. The final score was 0-0, and it was just such an exciting game. (laughs) I know you're all big soccer fans out here. So I'm more of a soccer fan than a football fan, if I'm honest, okay? But I do like to go to the football games on a Friday night when Washington are playing at home. You'll see me at the Panthers games. But if I'm honest, you'll normally find me by the Pantherplex. And more often, my back's away from this towards the field than facing the field, or than, than I'm facing the field because I'm chatting with people. I love to see people there, my friends. I, I hang out. I talk to people. So I kind of go just to see people. But this particular game... Last year, it was in the run-up to the state championship, and we were playing a, uh, another school. This school was called Sacred Heart Griffin. Some of you might have been at that game. I found myself at the end of the game in the fan section, not the fan section, the bleachers right by the student section. I had some friends sitting up there, so I went and sat with them, and we were losing the game. I mean, it looked like the game was over. It was the last seconds of the game. We were down. It looked like the game was over. And I'm sat there watching. I've got the student section right next to me. And suddenly, with just literally seconds left on the clock, the guy who throws the ball threw it. And the guy who catches the ball caught it (laughs) in the end zone. And we won. It was unbelievable. I mean, it was like the kind of thing you'd see in a movie. Everyone went wild. Everyone was cheering, high-fiving. The students were climbing the fence, storming the field. I wanted to climb the fence and storm the field. I've had bad luck in the past jumping off things, so I didn't. I stayed in the, uh, <laughs> I stayed in the bleachers and, and high-fived. But in that moment, caught up in everything that was going on, I was a football fan. I was, I love this game. This is amazing. <laughs> Sometimes when you're in the midst of something, it changes your perspective, doesn't it? It can change the way you feel about something. Something happened to that Roman soldier, that Roman centurion, when he was stood watching Jesus on the cross that changed him, that caused him through his eyes to say, truly that was the Son of God. Let's read what happened according to Luke, another one of the guys who wrote about the life of Jesus. He says in Luke 23, 44, By this time, it was about noon. Darkness fell across the whole land until three o'clock. The light from the sun was gone, and suddenly the curtain in the sanctuary of the temple was torn down the middle. Then Jesus shouted, Father, I entrust my spirit into your hands. And with those words, 
he breathed his last. When the Roman officer overseeing the execution saw what had happened, he worshipped God. And he said, surely this man was innocent. Something happened in that moment to cause someone who would not normally recognize Jesus for who he was to suddenly see and say, that must be the Son of God. Surely he was innocent. This man would have watched dozens, maybe, maybe hundreds of people die this, this cruel death on this cross. But something happened that day as he witnessed Jesus that changed him. Maybe it was the darkness. Another um, one of the guys who writes about the life of Jesus, he talks about an earthquake taking place. Maybe it was the commands that Jesus had over these last few minutes of his life. You know, in crucifixions, it was a horrible way to die. Sometimes it would take days for the, the, the criminals on these crosses to die. They could barely speak, let alone shout, and we hear that Jesus shouted out this phrase. He was quoting a psalm when he said, Father, I entrust my spirit into your hands. This was a psalm that Jewish children used to say as a, as a bedtime prayer. They would pray this prayer before they went to sleep each night. Father, I entrust my spirit into your hands. And, and this soldier witnesses Jesus shout, Father, I entrust my spirit into your hands. And then after that, he died. I think seeing that caused that soldier to look up and say, this man surely was the son of God. He worshipped him. And in that moment, that centurion got to see Jesus for who he really was. Now, do you want to know something that's crazy here this morning? Do you want to know why Jesus was on the cross in the first place? It's because the people who should have recognized him for who he really was didn't. You see, for hundreds of years, the, the people of Israel, the Jews, had been um, prophesying and believing that one day this Messiah would come. That he would come and, and he would set the pre people free. There were signs of the Messiah that he would heal the sick, that he would bring good news to the poor. All of which Jesus was fulfilling in his life. And yet still, these religious leaders didn't recognize Jesus for who he was. And it was them that orchestrated the plan to put Jesus on the cross. Isn't that crazy to think that a Roman soldier who shouldn't have recognized Jesus did recognize him. And then the religious leaders who really should have recognized him didn't recognize him. Isn't that awkward when you, you see someone and you, you really feel like you should know them and you don't? This, this actually happens. So there's a, uh, a skateboarder you might have heard of. His name's Tony Hawk, okay, pretty famous guy. And apparently this happens to him quite a lot. He's, uh, he's, he's on Twitter and he tweets about these experiences where people don't actually realize who he is. They're brilliant. You can read them. It happens a lot. It tends to happen at airports more than anywhere else, it seems. This is one he put, um, the guy at JFK said, how many people have mistaken you for Tony Hawk? He said, uh, everyone I know, <laughs> including my kids. <laughs> Another time he's at the airport, the TSA agent is checking his ID. He says, Hawk, like the skateboarder, Tony Hawk? Him, exactly. <laughs> cool. I wonder what he's up to these days. Me, this. <laughs> Here's another time when he was at the grocery store. The guy at the grocery store says, you ever get mistaken for Tony Hawk? Or, or are you Tony Hawk? Me. Both. <laughs> 
And this is my favorite one. He says, uh, he was at the TSA agent, and the TSA agent looking at him, and he says, I'm trying to figure out who you look like before checking your ID. He says, okay. He says, that's cyclist, Armstrong. The other agent says, that ain't Lance Armstrong. And I said, he's right. Oh, you look like that skateboarder. And he checks the ID, and you've got the same last name as him. <laughs> crazy. It's <laughs> like, yeah, crazy. <laughs> So just in case you ever do need to, if, in case you ever do see this guy, that is Tony Hawk. All right. So just helping you out here, so you don't appear in one of his tweets. All right. If you see that guy, it's Tony Hawk. Wouldn't it be weird to to be famous like that and to keep going these places and people not recognize you? It's kind of funny hearing those comments, but it's kind of sad, isn't it, that the religious leaders, the people who really should have recognized Jesus for who he was, not only didn't recognize him but they were the ones who were responsible for having him arrested and tried and hung on a cross. And with that in mind this morning, I want to just ask us all a question here. I wonder who you would relate to the most this morning. If I was asked you the question, you know, do you recognize who Jesus is? Do you know who Jesus is? I wonder if you'd be like the centurion who says, yeah, I I truly believe he's the son of God. I've seen something happen in my life. I've seen something happen in the life of my friend and it's affected me. And and like that centurion, I I can't shake this. He must be who he said he was. He must be the son of God. Or maybe you're here this morning and this is still just a little bit of a stretch for you. Maybe you're here this morning, it's an Easter Sunday, and we're thrilled that everyone's here, but maybe for you, you're still having a bit of a hard time, because even though, as I'm sure you know, many historians now would say that there really was a man by the name of Jesus who lived 2,000 years ago, we've got a lot of historical evidence, both inside and outside of the Bible, to support that. There's a lot of evidence to say that this man did live, that he, he, he kind of caused a bit of trouble in the area in which he lived, in the stuff he said and the stuff he did, and, and he ended up getting crucified for this. But maybe that's the point where you're like, well, you know what? I, I can buy all of that. I can, I can accept all of that, that there was a Jesus, that he was a good man, that he taught good things. But that whole raising from the dead, yeah, I, I have a bit of a hard time with that. I'm not sure that that's the Jesus that I recognize this morning because it's just a bit of a stretch to believe that, that this man could really have raised from the dead. Well, I want to give you some good news here this morning. You wouldn't be alone in that. You wouldn't be alone this morning if you, if you had a hard time believing that, that Jesus rose from the dead because do you know who else had a hard time believing and understanding that Jesus rose from the dead? His disciples his closest friends, and his followers. They had a hard time believing that Jesus had risen from the dead. In fact, when Jesus died, they figured that was it. They figured it was all over. In fact, they figured that they were next. They went into hiding. They were terrified that they were the next ones to be arrested, to be killed, because they were just hanging out with Jesus. In John chapter 20, verse 19, he describes this. He says, that Sunday evening, so this Easter Sunday evening, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. They weren't there celebrating, saying, hey, he's going to rise from the dead. They were terrified. Because I've used this phrase before, and I'm going to use it again because I think it's a great phrase. Nobody was expecting nobody. 
Nobody expected nobody. So those first followers of Jesus, those closest to him, they, they weren't expecting Jesus to rise from the dead. In fact, it's fascinating if you read the accounts of what took place. So we've talked a little bit about that Friday. Now we're on Easter Sunday and Jesus has risen from the dead. It's amazing what we read that's happened. So Mary and Martha, they were the, um, the very close friends of Jesus and they took it upon themselves because Jesus had been buried quickly because of a, a Jewish holiday that was happening at the time. So no one had really had time to prepare the body as you would in those days for death. Uh, they would have herbs and spices and oils and they would anoint the body. And so they decided they were going to do that. So that Sunday morning, they go to the tomb. They go to the grave where Jesus was, was laid to rest. And when they get there, they discover that the stone in front of the tomb has been rolled away. They walk into the tomb and they discover that Jesus' body has gone. And you know what? They have no idea why. They don't have any idea. So they're kind of trying to figure this out and suddenly we read that two angels appear and they say, you don't need to be here. He's no longer here. He's risen from the dead. So Mary and Martha are overjoyed. They've realized that just a couple of days ago, they, they thought everything was over because Jesus had died. And now they've been visited by angels and told that Jesus has risen again. So they can't wait to tell the disciples. So they run back to the disciples who, you remember, are locked in that room, terrified. They get there and, and they tell the disciples the news. They're like, you're not going to believe this. He's risen. The angels told us he's, he's no longer there. He's, he's risen. And listen to how these wonderful, godly disciples responded. Luke 24, verse 11. But the story sounded like nonsense to them, so they didn't believe it. Maybe you're here this morning. You're struggling to believe this story. So did they. They thought it was nonsense. When Mary and Martha brought the news, they thought, that's too crazy. He's gone because nobody was expecting no body. And do you know what's crazy? Do you know who's recording all of this information in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John? Do you know who wants to make sure that we know this? The disciples. They're the ones telling this. Now, I don't know about you, but if I'm going to write a story of my life, there's a lot of stuff I'm leaving out. Okay, there are some things I've said and done that won't make it in the book. Casey's like, there's a lot of things you've said and done that shouldn't be in the book. But the disciples, they, wanted, they knew that these, these records that were being written would be read by others about the life of Jesus. And, and they wanted people in the future to read this and know that even at that time, they weren't expecting Jesus to rise from the dead. They were just as surprised. It's written in these accounts. In fact, when he finally did appear to the disciples for the very first time, they still didn't recognize him because they weren't expecting him. Luke tells us this in Luke 24, 37 through 38. And just as they were telling about it, Jesus himself was suddenly standing there among them. Peace be with you, he said. But the whole group was startled and frightened, thinking they were seeing a ghost. Do you know how embarrassing that had to have been? That his closest followers, Jesus' disciples, see Jesus and they don't recognize him? It's really awkward, isn't it? 
In uh, 2012, our family and I, we got to go back to England. Uh, we get to go quite often to visit my family back there. And um, this year was particularly significant because that was the year that the Olympics were on in London. So we had a fantastic time. We got to see some of the events and we just really enjoyed being in London during the time of the Olympics. And as we were leaving, we were flying out of Heathrow and um, I was actually flying by myself with Ben. The, the family had gone on a different flight. So Ben and I were, were heading to our gate to get on a plane. And as we were walking past one of the gates, someone tells us that the entire U.S. basketball team is at this gate, and they're boarding their plane. So we go over there to check it out. We're pretty excited. And by the time we get there, um, all of them are on except the coach. And this guy says, that's the coach of the basketball team. I was like, Ben, let's get a picture of you with the coach of the basketball team. So, so he runs over, and, and here's the picture of Ben with the coach of the U.S. basketball team. It's all I knew him as. <laughs> So I get on the plane, and I'm quickly, I've got to get this on Twitter, okay, before I take off. This is brilliant. Ben's just been cited with the coach of the U.S. basketball team. He's got to be famous. So I look him up, and his name's like Mike Chris Kiss. Kiss. I mean, it's like a really odd last name. I can't pronounce it. The only name I've come across that's even close to that was Mike Wazowski, and I knew it wasn't Mike Wazowski. So... So I just, I carefully spell out the name to make sure I get it right. And then I put this tweet on. I was like, hey, we just met the coach of the U.S. basketball team. I hit send, turn my phone off, and then for eight hours, I'm on a plane. I land. Yeah, some of you already get where this is going. I land, turn my phone back on. It just lights up. Everyone's like, Dave, he's not just the coach of the U.S. basketball team. So apparently, this guy's a side gig as well. He's also the coach of a basketball team called Duke University, uh, Coach K. And really, that's what he's most famous for. All I saw him as was the guy who was in charge of the... Uh, he, he does that as well. He is the coach of the U.S. basketball team as well. So I felt a little bit embarrassed that I'm like, hey, look who I was with, that I didn't actually recognize who he really was. And I wonder if the disciples felt that way when they suddenly realized... I recognize who this is when they suddenly realize this wasn't a ghost. This was Jesus risen again. And do you know the incredible thing? And this is why we love sharing stories from Scripture every single Sunday here at Connect. We love telling um, just some wonderful um, ideas of what the Bible teaches on different things and how you can live your life and how you can follow Jesus. And there's so much we can talk about, but the reality is that we couldn't talk about any of that if it wasn't for the message of today. Because everything comes out of what happens today. That Jesus didn't end in the grave. He came back. He rose again. Do you know when the disciples saw him and actually recognized who he was? It changed their lives forever. They spent the rest of their lives traveling around telling people about Jesus, not based just on the good things that he taught them while he was alive, but based on the fact that they now recognized him as someone who had risen from the dead. And it changed them. It changed who they were. It changed them so much that, that most of them actually lost their lives because they wouldn't give up the idea that they'd seen Jesus risen again and that he changed their lives forever. And I want you to recognize Jesus for who he was this morning. That's my prayer on Easter Sunday morning. That's my prayer every Sunday, but particularly today. I don't want you to look at Jesus and think, oh yeah, he's the coach of the U.S. basketball team. <laughs> he's so much more than that. I don't want you just to see Jesus and think, oh, he was a good man. He did great things. He, he, he's so much more than that. 
He lived and he died and he rose again. And he did it for me and he did it for you. Every one of you here this morning, not just the folks who have already made that decision to follow Jesus, but every one of us here this morning, he did that for you. One of the things that compels me as the leader of Connect Church to reach people in our community who don't know Jesus is because I can remember a time when I was younger, when I was a teenager, where I didn't know Jesus, where I wasn't following Jesus. I can remember some times in my life where there was a lot of fun to be had and a lot of stuff to be done and and I felt good and life was good, but I can still remember some of those nights going to bed and and when the music faded out and when the, the party was dying down, there was still that emptiness inside of me. It still felt like there was something missing. And when I was 18 years old, a friend shared with me that, that Jesus had changed his life, that this risen Jesus had changed his life, that he'd made a decision to follow this Jesus. And I knew this guy. He'd come from a pretty rough background, and I could see as he was telling me this, that he really believed this, that he had recognized Jesus for who he was. It probably would have been like talking to that centurion on that that day that Jesus was there. There's just something in his eyes. He said, Dave, he's changed me. I prayed this prayer as a very simple prayer. I said, Jesus, I do believe that you are more than just a good person. I believe you're the son of God. I believe you died for me. I believe you rose again. I believe the only way I can have a relationship with Father God is through you because I'll never be good enough. I'm sorry for the wrong things I've done. Please, Jesus, help me to to live my life following you. And it changed my life. That emptiness that I used to feel, it was gone because of the difference Jesus had made in my life. And that's my prayer for everyone here this morning, is that you would recognize that Jesus, that you would recognize who he is, how much he loves you, how much he wants to be a part of your life. My prayer is that at some point today or this week, you would, you would pray that prayer, Jesus, I want to follow you. In fact, here's my prayer. I'd, I'd love it if you would, you would consider coming back next Sunday. Coming back next Sunday, we're, we're doing this series together for Washington. We're going to talk a lot about the new building. It's going to be a really exciting series. But, but by coming back, it's saying, Jesus, I, I don't know if I'm ready to, to fully embrace all this yet, but I want to learn more. I want to make this more than just Easter. I want to, I want to come and I want to learn more about you. I want, to, I want to discover who you were. I think like the Roman centurion, you'll, you'll learn to see a side of Jesus that maybe you've never seen before. That's my prayer this morning, is that through your eyes, you'll get to see the same Jesus that the disciples, the centurion, Mary, his mother, all the other folks that we've talked about in these last few weeks, the Jesus that they saw and the Jesus that many of us here this morning see too. Could you pray with me? I'm going to pause for a minute just before I I pray here to close out and Just in the quiet, I want to give you an opportunity before we rush out into the busyness of the foyer and the business of the parking lot and our day with our family and friends. I want to pause in silence just for a moment because I don't want you to miss this opportunity to talk to Jesus. A prayer is something you can just do in your head. You can just just talk to him. It hasn't got to be out loud, but just take a moment to say, Jesus, I, I do recognize that you are more than just a good man. I do recognize that you are more than just this. I recognize that you truly were the son of God 
who loved me and died for me. And I want you to be a part of my life. Lord, my prayer this morning is that right now in this middle school gymnasium, conversations were taking place between people and you. Lord, I know that you love each and every one of us so much. And I know, Lord, that there are some here this morning that you've, you've been pursuing. I believe you've been pursuing everyone here this morning, but I believe there are some who are here this morning and they can just sense that. They just know, Lord, that, that they're in your target, that you're, that you're showing up in all sorts of different places, Lord. It's because you love them so much. You want them to experience who you are. You want them to, to understand that you can come in, Lord, and you can fill the void and you can change their lives. You can meet them where they're at. You can set them free. So, Lord, I pray that not just this morning, but this afternoon and this evening and throughout this week, the conversation will continue. And maybe it'll lead to somebody coming back again next Sunday. Maybe somebody who hasn't been in church for a long time, maybe hasn't been in church ever, but will say, you know, I'm going to go again next Sunday because I want to learn more about who Jesus was. I want to discover more of who this Jesus was. I want to learn more about how he can make a difference in my life. So be with us today, I pray. Let it be a wonderful day with family and friends, celebrating with one another wherever we are. I just pray a blessing on everyone here. In Jesus' name, amen.